Cade Mila Falta. Welcome to the Letter from Ireland show, where we travel in the footsteps of your Irish ancestors, visiting their homelands and telling their stories as they put down roots in so many places around the world. Hello there, and you are very welcome to episode four, series six of the Letter from Ireland show. This is Mike Collins here. And over the next half hour or so, we think we have something very, very unusual, interesting, and we think we're going to enjoy it a lot. You see, I think it was around about September of last year in 2020, myself and Corrine actually went on a trip to Inishmore, the largest of the Aran Islands, and we were very fortunate for two reasons. The first one was, when we actually got to the island for the three days we were there, the temperature was up and around 25 degrees Celsius, which is pretty amazing, as you may know, for that part of the world, even in September. And secondly, we had the good fortune to actually come across a tour guide there by the name of Cyril O'Flaherty, who we joined and joined him for one day on the Aran Islands. And we decided as we went around and he showed us some very unusual places and gave us his own view, if you like, of that part of the world, we decided to record a lot of what he actually said for posterity. So in this episode of the Letter from Ireland show, a couple of things. First and foremost, as we actually make our way around the island in the company of Cyril, you can actually follow, if you go to our show notes, a letterfromireland.com forward slash 604. That's a letterfromireland.com forward slash 604. And there you'll see a map and the various stops as well uh, as we make our way around the island. Now, if you can't get there, don't worry. We think you'll be able to follow along by listening in any case. But remember again, a letter from Ireland.com forward slash 604. So as we do make our way around Inishmore, the largest of the Aran Islands, in the company of Cyril, we start off uh, the day before, in fact, we met Cyril on Furbo Beach, just outside Galway City. We then joined Cyril for a number of stops, a place called Dún Dúchathair, and as we make our way around, you'll probably notice that we'll start to use the Irish language quite a lot, and we talk about that in the podcast as well. We then move on to a place called Ambul Beist, which is basically uh, the, uh, the the wormhole, I suppose, as in the, uh, the beast's uh, diving, um, the, well... To put a long story short, it's an absolutely beautiful place for you to actually uh, have a look at it, but we'll talk about it on the tour as well. We then make our way to Limo Flaherty's house, uh, look at some really unusual headstones around St. Kieran's Church, and then we go to St. Kieran's Church itself in the Salmon Well. But I think the most interesting thing are the stories and the pointers that Cyril O'Flaherty actually gives as we make our way around the island. So there we go. I hope you enjoy the show, and um, we'll talk again at the end. Our first stop on the way to the Iron Islands, Mike, and I've got my toes dipped in Galway Bay. I think that's where I am. Oh, good for you, yeah. (laughs) It's a beautiful day. It's so sunny and warm. And some kids that have escaped from school are playing here in the sand beside us. Proper way, absolutely, yeah. yeah. This is a picturesque area and we're looking at many different things from just this angle. Can you tell us, Mike, a little bit of what we're looking at here? Yeah, we were just chatting a little bit earlier there, actually. And it's a very interesting spot because as we stand here on the beach in Furbo, just inside Connemara, basically, and Connemara coming from uh, Comacnamara, so Comacna being the actual original tribe, Mara being the sea division of them, let's say. And as we look out there to our left, you can see the stone there in the distance. And way beyond that, you can see the barren in County Clare. 
rolling his way down to Doolin. I'm going to try to zoom in there a little bit. So rolling his way down to Doolin. And then across the sea on the outside of um, Galway Bay, we actually have the Aran Islands, which uh, we'll be heading to later, which we're really looking forward to. Just make out the, in the distance there the three yeah, Aran Islands. Yeah, the three Aran Islands. So you actually have, uh, to the extreme left of the picture there, you actually have um, um, Inishore, in the middle Inishman, meaning the middle island, and then Inishmore being the large island. And then, of course, you actually have just where we're standing as well here in Connemara. So we're standing on a beautiful beach, and that's the one thing about Connemara, it's usually there, they're absolutely gorgeous beaches all over the place. But isn't this a special day? This is a special day because uh, this is late autumn and yet here we are and people are in swimming. And I've got my feet in the water and I'm really tempted to take a dip and I think I will here once we're finished our recording. But also the beaches around here, Mike, aren't they just so powdery? Powdery and so warm and inviting and clear and clean. Yeah, and today, by the way, folks, is 26 degrees as we speak so that's uh, not bad for the middle of September as you not say not bad for Ireland oh here comes the water watch out there Mike <laughs> catching your toes too well there's nothing so nice or as unusual as standing on a beach in Connemara in this case just outside Galway City uh, 25 degrees and, you know, as I was saying there, Corrine, as well, we were looking out across the actual bay there and looking out at the place that we were going to next, which was? Of course, we were heading off to that, a journey to the Iron Islands and it was Inish Moor, which is means a big, big moor as coming from moor. So we went, to the, we went to the biggest one, Inish Moor, and uh, that's often referred to as the Arran Island, the Arran Ireland, or Ilan Arran. Now, just to say today, I haven't really mentioned an Irish word because we are traveling now to a Gaeltacht. Um, Ilan Arran, the Arran Island, is a Gaeltacht. So there's going to be lots of Gaelic coming up, incidentally, throughout the program. And uh, when we're chatting there, you'll hear some words and uh, have a near, keep your ear out for the Gaeliga as it's really spoken on the island. And just to say as well, folks, as you listen to, in this case, Karina and a couple more people speaking Irish, um, you won't notice a change. You know the way, for example, Karina, if you're speaking English and then you speak a little bit of French, suddenly you kind of go into a French accent uh, from your English accent, your Irish accent. But, you know, in this case, it's kind of so subtle, the change. It's just different words being used all of a sudden without any real change in accent and I think that's always interesting for people because some people they just can't tell when they come into Ireland as to whether somebody's speaking Irish or not but in this case you can see just how difficult it might be until you hear a point at which you just don't understand the words and that's probably the Irish bit. That's true Mike that's yeah. true. So well, we helped on board that little plane. Which I think is a great idea if you're not a sea person that little plane is ideal and you're over in less than 10 minutes and we landed on the island at one end of it close to where our B&B was which is called Gortnagopal up that side of the island. So Which you can see on the map below. Yeah you can see that on the mm. map and we walked over to our B&B everything is so close and accessible. Yeah, now the thing is we actually had a good wander around ourselves but we actually booked a guide who is a very, very interesting person because he's a native of the Aran Islands and his people had been there since about the 1400s he was saying and his name was Cyril O'Flaherty and by the way folks, O'Flaherty is the number one surname on the island so if you're going looking for O'Flaherty's house, good luck with that it might take a while <laughs> to narrow it down to the one you want on Illamore but Karina, you know, what was your impression of Cyril, first of all, our guide for the day and on this particular uh, broadcast. 
Well, I have to say, having spent the day on a bike previously, I was very glad to hop into his Jeep. He was very knowledgeable and really able to blend between the Irish of the island, speaking English, uh, taking us around to areas of interest and really getting to the nub of the matter for us. I, I really enjoyed our day with him. Yeah, I, I mean, Cyril, Cyril is um, like many people on the island, does five or six things in order both to make a living and a wide range of interests, because that's just idle life here. So he, in this case, was a part-time postman. He was a painter, as in um, artist painter. He actually was a poet. He's an island guide. And as you say then, in his island guides, he actually specialised in walks and cycles. But we, in this case, we had to say with the Jeep and we had actually walking. And the thing is, though, as Karina says, the, the range of interests were actually just like the range of occupations. They were wide and varied, and they're all very interesting. So he showed, he was talking about the history, he was talking about the culture, the geology, which is actually really, really interesting as well, Korea, isn't it? the various fauna and the flora, and really kind of blending them all together in a very interesting way and talking about how people really had to kind of reflect their lives in the landscape around them in such a hostile place, really, a hostile environment, such a beautiful environment at the same time. So I think you've kind of captured a beautiful range of conversations from the tour here, Karina. And the first place he actually took us to, you see number two on the map below there, was not a place that most people go to when they think of the Aran Islands. You see it up there in blue in Dun Angusa, but a sister fort to Dun Angusa called Dun Cahir. And um, Dun Cahir means what, Karina, again, would you remind me? Well, it's the black, the black uh, clip. As in Doof, D-U-B-H, Dove Cahir. Yeah, yeah, and he explains in, in the clip as well why it's called that, the black fort. So here we actually, uh, we're going to turn over to Cyril and Karina, having a conversation as we approach the black fort. And then it switches just after that to actually Cyril have a conversation with myself inside the actual fort. So we're approaching Dundukahed or the Black Fort. Um, it probably gets its name from the, the colouring on the stone as well. If you look at it, it's very dark. It doesn't get much light, you know. Um, that's one of the reasons I'd imagine it's called the Black Fort. But on the outside of that, typically, now this is not, un not unlike Dunangus, um, but the difference between this is a single villet wall, which is one wall, okay? Whereas Dunangus is a tri-villet wall. This precedes Dunangus, I'd say, by a couple of hundred years. So it's older. It's one of the, I think it's the oldest fortress so that we know of on the island. What, what what year are we in there? What you're talking uh, about, well, you're talking about 1500 to 1800 BC. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So that's the earliest kind of sign we have in these areas. And then on the outside, this this band of stone. Is it seems like somebody scattered it all around. Scattered it out, but they were all probably well, this is very, as you can say, like when you look at the date of it, if you look at the, the way the stones, they were all standing up, right? Deliberately put in particular ways. Every one of those stones is razor sharp. If you put your hand on that now, yes. if you fell against that that would cut the, the leggy or cut the handy you know um, the idea is to stop an intruding army getting in there the distance is perfect for a slingshot or a spear or an arrow from the top of that that precipice or that wall there okay so this idea is if you try to get into this with an army now well this guy's sitting up there he is all the time in the world because what are you doing you're looking down minding your feet you know so they have all the time in the world to actually to take to you out you, of it and get you, you. yeah so it's a very clever the idea uh, and the Grand french name for it chevaux de free right uh, it comes from friesland in holland that name it was just termed on it by early archaeologists the irish name for it and we think it's come down right from the bronze age to yes. us is Gron Chaha. Gron is a needle yes. uh, and 
Caja is a battle. Right. So they're known as battle needles. Ah, yeah. excellent. And you'd see yeah. that all around, you know, in Europe and stuff like that, where you'd see, well, and in the western Vlango of the day, you'd see the, the big pieces of timber sticking out of the edge. But it comes from this idea oh. of stopping an invading army coming through, you know. So after that chat, I was very interested to see what was inside the fort. And uh, Cecil, Cyril, Cyril took us around the side where there was a very narrow opening with the cliff down one side. Do you remember, Mike? And we kind oh, of yeah. scooched along and got inside to the inside of the fort. And there, Mike and Cyril had a chat about what life was like inside the fort. Cyril, you said a second ago now that you thought it was a lovely day. Now, my mind yesterday was a lovely day. Yeah. But today, the, the mist, the kind of fog is in, is low wind. Yeah. We're in this very unique place, which you're about to tell us a little bit about. Yeah. But what makes this nice weather for you? What, what, what does well, it for you? You come out here in January and then you'll know. <laughs> <laughs> That's not giving you a short answer, but it is a lovely day for us now. This is nice. I like this. Not too hot, not too cold. Just right. nice and it's good. Right. If you're walking and you're hiking, it's really good stuff. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. Much easier to, to travel around and, you know. Okay. Yeah. So where, what, the, what, you brought us here and I think, yeah. you know, rather than, let's say, going to Dunn, Angus yeah. on the on the Inishmore. We came here instead, and we're the only people here, obviously. Yeah. But what makes this place special? Because we're the only people here. Right. Um, I think, uh, and that that in the danger of saying that, I suppose I don't want everybody to come here now. But those of you who are willing to take get off the beaten track yeah. and find this place, I think it still has spirit. You know, yeah. it has an essence of 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 a Bronze Age ring for yes. it, and and there aren't a thousand people queuing up to, to get in and you're not being charged to come here it's right. free you know i love that idea that it's still free uh, i know that you have to maintain certain monuments but sometimes uh, it goes overboard as well and this is the black fort yeah and we're lo- what are we looking at down here inside these the are fort? these are very typical I, I think there's not much alteration in these houses as yeah. when they were originally built right. these are houses the height of the walls is the the highest of the walls there at the end being because judging from the archaeological digs at dunangus that's what they come up with you know with so they, they would have replaced the, the roofs every season uh, like, they may not have they, they may have been stolen. doing what look okay what, do you know the thatch cottages in the Iron yeah. Islands not like these are rye grass thatch cottages right, right. okay um, whereas in the mainland you have reed right. being used rye grass is not taken away it's added to every okay. year and yeah. it's cyclical so with crops in certain times you keep yeah. adding on and adding yeah. on and it builds right. up and it builds up these would have had wooden posts I, I assume coming up in the centre to support a wooden beam or a wooden structure over that yeah. and all of these houses they were enclosed yes. with and then tied down with them I've seen them in other places where they would and even in Scotland they were they were tying them down with stones you yeah. know they yeah. tie down or yes, pegs indeed. in the walls right. and then they go the same thing yeah. stones were tying down the roofs yeah. um, these are a number of houses one two three four there are five as you can see but then there's about 15 or 20 more all that have been washed away all towards the cliff edge this ring fort went out yeah. it, 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 the, it, during the reconstruction of this fort they went straight out like that yes. by right it should be twisting in somewhere uh, here like a half circle uh, it's more uh, not even long. a half circle it was almost like oval as yes. opposed to okay. or like there's one on an man where it's not actually circular yeah. it's more of a, a square if you get me a, oh, okay. a square with rounded, rounded corners, corners yeah. yeah and it yeah. went right out to the edge of the thing now it's the style of building in here see the way the stones are flat yes you can see them they're flat up and down yeah. these very flat that's a clear style of building okay right and if you look at the inside all the interior of these forts the earliest structure that have that style of building where they build a box 
Yeah. First, fill it, yeah. and then put big stones on top. Oh, then yeah. later on, when they added the second layer to this wall, yeah. so the first wall was that wall, a very thin, maybe not so tall wall. Yeah. But by the time the late bronze yeah. arrives, they've added another layer to the outside of that, but they're building this time flat stones, flat, gotcha. flat, 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 all the way up. So there's two styles, there's two layers or yes. two skins to that wall. Now, you, 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 you say there's a theory around that. It wasn't just about kind of having kind of, uh, I suppose, a cliff face there, keeping you safe, and the wall there, keeping you safe yeah. with the Cheva de Frio and the other the side yeah but in in fact you were saying this might mean this might mean something else facing the sea here yeah i think there was a trading center here okay i think because it's the oldest so it one welcome boats in uh, it would have welcomed people in and this was a point of trading with the northern tribes of connemara yeah. yeah. because again we're still part of the money or we're still part of munster right. at this time yes. and we're owned by them but this is an outpost ge ge almost. geologically geologically and politically, and politically yeah because yeah, we yeah. We're, we're doing connected to the burn in county yeah. Clare, of yeah. course and straight out there yeah. and this is your great wall of china but oh, it's in the west of ireland Yes. And all of those ring forts that were on these hilltops were all looking facing north. Yeah. And they're all facing what, what's looking. And this is your trading point. That's where the O'Flaherty's would have been over there. They were all out there, yeah. Folks. We eventually got in. Eventually we got in, you know. Yeah. We found a way through, yes, you yes, know. Yes. Divide and conquer. But that's what I think this was, quite a trading hub. Oh, and okay. you can imagine, and we, we have to, to also understand that we were trading as far south as Portugal. I got you. You know, the southern tip right into the Mediterranean. Yes, Things, yes. Goods were at that time in the Bronze Age yes. making their way up along. And you tell by what was found ever and since been the found. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm from the Balkans yes. has been found yeah. in Donangus. Yeah. Uh, Roman beads have been found outside yeah. Donangus. This has never been excavated, and I'm yeah. sure, pretty positive, there'd be a lot of very interesting objects to be found in this area here when they do it. You know, yeah. Will we go down and have a closer? We'll look? have a look. Yeah, I'll show you. There's a there's a Bronze Age fridge or a root cellar, as some people call it, in this corner here. People think they were, you know, not that sophisticated. No, Karina. So we left Du Cahir behind. Where are we off to next on our tour? So with Dun Du Cahir at our back, we headed along the rocky roads and they are rocky and bumpy all along to Paul Nepeche. So that's stop number three on the map below. Yes. Now, Paul is a hole in Irish. Paul and Nepeche is a worm. So it's like it's called the wormhole. And there were lots of souls heading towards this area on their bikes. Everybody's on the bike on the Iron Islands. And they were saying, where's Paul Nepeche? How can we find there? Uh, now, this is uh, a bit of an enigma to Cyril because he was saying he's so surprised to see so many people wanting to go to Paul Nepeche. Now, Mike's going to put up a video below and you can see how unusual a feature it is and how outstanding it looks on the rock but it's to do with uh, diving championships taking place here in this area that's the red bull yeah the, which is actually all around the world and there's a grand prix of diving championships i think it was about three years ago they actually chose the aran islands and the setting folks have a look at the video below this particular map you'll really enjoy it well, there's no way I'm diving into that hole anyway. It was just or even falling into it's, it. It's it's even frightening just to look at it, and it's it's rather unsafe actually to be down around Palnapest. Uh, and we we viewed it from up on high. Cyril took us to a lovely spot on top where we looked down on it. But there were a lot of people around there below, having uh, you know wandering around, as unaware really that there's this wild Atlantic Ocean on one side of you that can come in at any time on top of you. So and just just have a look dangerous. at the actual shape of the actual pool, folks because you know it's kind of classic of the rich array of the geological formations you get in this very unique part of the world because that wasn't actually shaped by any tools because it's the shape of a swimming pool you should might rightly say well you know where was the angle grinder that did that uh, but it's actually a natural formation 
and it's been there for a long, long time. And as Karina says, that name, the wormhole, if you like, Polnabeisht, Polnabeisht, has actually probably been there for hundreds, if not thousands of years as a descriptor for the area. Yes. And so after that, we headed off to... Number four? Number four, stop number four. And stop number four uh, is to do with uh, Liam O'Flaherty. Now, there's a, as we were chatting to Cyril throughout the day, he mentioned a lot of poets connected with the Ireland, islands, Martino Diron. He spoke to us about Millington Singh and Liam O'Flaherty's house was very close to where we were at Polna Paste. So that was our next stop. And in front of the house there, Cyril talks to us a little bit about writers on the island. So we've come to a lovely area here, Gert na Gapel. Gert na Gapel, yeah. Which is yeah. the field of the, 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 field of the field horses. Of the horses. horses yes. Um, yes. And there's something else that happened here as well. Uh, a literary guy lived here, yeah. O'Flaherty, yeah. Liam O'Flaherty. Yeah. I'd say the bane of many people and when they were going to school was Liam O'Flaherty, you know. Um, I'm sure he, was, he wasn't well liked by some children over the years, but he wrote some wonderful books. Now, he wrote some very uh, political books as well. Of course, Famine, Skerish, some of these things, they were very much anti-Catholic in their own way. You know, he was, uh, himself and his brother were the founders of the Irish Communist Party, Tom O'Flaherty and himself, and they'd gone to the States. And as far as I know, they went to Russia. Now, maybe I could be corrected on that, but I think they did go to Russia at some point, um, begin to that idea, anti-Catholic as well. He'd, stir- he'd gone to seminaries, you see. Uh, he'd studied to be a priest. He'd won scholarships and he went to be new to be a priest. But then I suppose he saw what was maybe going on underneath all of this this blanket. So he came home and he became a writer. Um, and a lot of his, his stories would have been written in this little cottage so in here. So you're talking about 1910? Yeah, 19, yeah, yeah, yeah. Around those times. He was in the great... 1916 because yeah. he was in the Great War. He suffered... A, the Black Soul is, is all about World War One, you know. And he suffered a lot from shell shock. Apparently he had very, very bad bouts of shell shock and he'd go into a very bad dark place because of it of course if you see the horrors of war I'm sure why wouldn't you yes. go into those and yeah. so like the black soul is about that World War One and the trenches and stuff like that but again he wrote some very beautiful books like The Mirror which is um that's written where we were at, we were at Paul Beach now and there's very big pools there and there's a beautiful story of the girl it's in Irish in Dool the Irish the book called Dool uh, written in the Irish language are short stories and every one of the stories you can see that they were written in this area here so like you know the, the Rin's Nest and those stories were written just in this locality here and about the locale and, and the locale. Were, they all, were they all written in Irish? Uh, uh, not uh, all well, no, all the short stories so most of them were in Irish this, Dool in particular is in Irish is in Irish a beautiful beautiful book but one is like he's talking about this young girl and the they used to go up to Paul in the base there's very deep pools there and yes. they would wash uh, clothes in them right because the fresh water comes off the top and they would wash maybe fleeces and stuff and it was a good place for drying uh, fleeces for sheep and getting the lanolin out of them and stuff yes. and about this young girl who goes there and she falls into the pool oh, right okay and so she's looking around there's no one around so she decides to take off her clothes and dry them on the rocks while she's while she's waiting and it's the first time she looks into a mirror and sees she's her shape that she's a woman and that she's actually a beautiful woman. Whereas, and I think it's edging at the Catholic Church in its own way because it's saying you made us ashamed of our bodies. Why should we be ashamed of what we have? Okay. We're beautiful. Hum- the human form is a wonderful thing. But, and that's it. A, it's a double-sided story or a two-sided story. It's called The Mirror or Unscohan, you know. Um, again, like that. There was a lot of political in the window hidden in some of the stories. Yeah. But I, I, loved, I loved his short stories. Fabulous stuff. Lovely. Yeah. I think it must have been tough work being a, a writer or a poet on that particular island because just about everybody there fancies themselves and, and probably are poets and writers actually. Certainly they all have good way with words both in Irish and English. 
So our next stop along the way, well, just before we go there, just to point out that one of the things that Cyril was mentioned along the way and was keeping an eye out as we wandered across the rocky fields was that every now and again in the Iron Isles, you will come across a headstone in the ground in a prone position, uh, but with no graveyard in sight. And it certainly intrigued us what this was all about. It is apparently about 200 of them on the island. Yeah, and do you remember he said the story that he often finds people looking down at the stones going, how did they get anybody under that stone? (laughs) 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 So our next stop, in fact, at point number five there on the map, was when Cyril actually came across one of these stones and he started to chat with us about the stone itself and why you actually don't see any date of death on these unusual stones, headstones, in the most unusual places. Cyril, um, an unusual feature in the iron landscape yes. here is these headstones, half prepared. What's the story behind that? Well, now, so again, they're cut out of the out of the limestone. They would seek certain areas of flat rock, okay? And there's plenty flat rock. Plenty yeah. flat rock, you know. There's, there's about a couple of hundred. I'd say there's over 150 at least, anyway, of these stones still left on the island. Now, you often see people wondering, why would you leave a headstone in the middle of nowhere? Why you wasn't to transport it? But it could well have been. Usually when you were in your, your late 20s, 30s maybe, when you've done well enough, you got the stonemason to come along and make your headstone for fear, you know, because the mortality rate would have been would have been higher at that point in time as well. So TB and 1800s, yeah, 1820s, 1830s. Um, uh, so you got your mason and his first job, what the mason would normally do to begin with was build a wall around himself, right? If Depending on how exposed the area was for shelter, right? From okay. the from west, southwesterly okay. winds. And they'd work away and they'd use plugs and feathers. So they'd drill a series of holes. Sometimes you can see them down the side. Series of holes and then they'd use wedges to wedge the stone out of place and eventually. And you've got your, your flat And you've got your flat stone. rock. Now, what's wrong with this? There's nothing wrong with this. Obviously, this was meant for maybe Calamara. Or it was meant for someone, we'll say, who decided before that, oh, damn it, I'm going to America. Things are, I'm not surviving here. So that headstone can stay there. Uh, the, the mason was paid, but it was never transported to a graveyard because that person didn't die here. Probably died in the States, Australia, England, who knows, you know. If it was export, maybe it was for export to Connemara, right? Mm-hmm. And that they never paid for it in the first place. So it stayed where it was. Um, there's so also there's, there's the death date was never put it's on never it. put on it no you'll get the person's name everything like that now if you had water and, and the right yes. light it's morning light and, and a bit of water could be very good because you get the reflection you can quite yes. read them quite easily you and know you can see the design you here can see the design across, across and, IHS yes, and, the, yeah. and some families had different designs picked out you know and there were four masons at least stone masons and they're all in English which is curious it was usually English stonemasons that were doing it. The later guys from the island learned from them and they were doing them in Irish. But the first ones were usually British stonemasons or from the mainland anyway, you know, yes, yes. associated with the British. We'll say lighthouse keepers, school, the guys who built the schools and stuff. They were also employed and they may have married, some of them married into the island and then their employment was this, you know, making these headstones. They were also used as ballast. So the Calamara hookers would come across, the boat sailboats would come across with loads of turf and all the goods for the island. But they were lighter than going back so they needed ballast so they would use they would bring these back as ballast then there was a good ballast at the bottom of your boat to bring it back to Connemara because it was a status symbol in Connemara to have one of these headstones you over know, you your grave an 
Irish word there with regard to the people that have this kind of stone, is it? Did you say something there in Irish while ago? Um, I heard you say something. Uh, oh, glass clock in Yilan. Yes. Glass clock in Yilan, or the grey stone of the island. It's in oh, Martino Kynes, uh, right. in the Killa. Uh, he mentions this lady and she went, She was always she saying was that she should her have glass. her glass clock in Yilan and her status symbol, you know. So if you um, had your glass clock in Yilan, you were, which you is your grey well stone yeah, you from did the well island. In, you did well in life. Yeah, apparently anyway. Lovely. Yeah, Thanks. indeed. Thanks, and some Sarah. of them broke as well. You know, like you'll see some of them with a small flaw. So you can imagine the stonemason's out here and he's working for his, he could be a couple of weeks at this, you know, maybe a week, two weeks at this, getting this to this to this point. And then there's a flaw, a flaw somewhere in the middle of the stone. So they go to move it or roll it. Next thing, there's a chip. It's breaks cracked. off and they have to start all over again. <laughs> so there you go. It's a hard life to be a stonemason. It, it is indeed. <laughs> I'd say a frustrating one at times. Well, now I wonder, did any of your ancestors let one of those wonderful headstones behind them or a glass clock in the hill on, as uh, Cyril called it? So that's a gravestone from the Ireland clock being a stone. And there are plenty of stones in the island, that's for sure. Isn't it interesting the way they're just still sitting there, Corinne, and not being claimed as well? I mean, if that was on the mainland, you'd imagine somebody would have been picked up and stuck into the rock here in the garden a long time ago, you know? Well, it's one of those places where history is there under your feet. <laughs> That's absolutely it. Now, our final stop on the island, as the day was call, you know, coming to a close, at least with Cyril, uh, was what he considered to be his favourite part of the island. Now, again, folks, you might remember earlier we said something like, you know, Donangus might be the most obvious fort to visit. But one of the reasons why uh, Cyril brought us to uh, Dukahar and actually enjoyed it so much is because there's so few people there, if anybody at all. In fact, we were the only people there at the time. And likewise, there are a number of monastic sites around the island, including the seven, seven churches, for example. And he said, look, I won't take you there. I'll take you to a much quieter spot and a spot that is his particular favourite. And I think, Karina, as we actually come here to St. Ciaran's Church and the salmon's well did i get that right yes yeah he he talked and show he really kind of started the show as a feature that we were quite familiar with and but, but you may not be folks in ireland and that's the association with a particular place usually a well um and the actual what we call a pattern day or patron's day and the actual let's say kind of doing the rounds as you say uh, on a particular day associated with that saying. Would that be right, Karina? Yeah, yeah, that's right. And um, in St. Ciaran's, well, uh, he he describes to us, really, I suppose, what he finds very spiritual about that well. And that's an interesting thing as well, because you, you get kind of through most of the chat of the Islanders, and Cyril's a great example of this, that it's not necessarily about religion per se, but it's about a spirituality that they, it's kind of very attached to the land around them and the sea around them and the air around them as well. And you get a feeling that they were talking like this for the last few thousand years, not just for the last couple of hundred years, you know, that is something very elemental. So, uh, well, over to Cyril now, and he's going to talk to us about this very unique place. Another magical place you brought us to, Cyril. This is this is probably uh, personally my favourite place in the island. Yeah, I come here to find solace. You know, um, it's a very old site. We know that it's been occupied for about five thousand years. Okay, so that gives us a good, you know, a record track record. A lot of water flows through here, but it's associated with Saint Kieran, and this is Saint Kieran's well. There's a, in the corner there. There's a hollow or a hole down into the ground, and it's called Saint Kieran's well. And have, have a wee look at it, but. The well that comes off this well is the known known as 
the well of the salmon. And for a long time we didn't know where the salmon was and we couldn't figure out how come salmon was involved in this at all. But until a couple of years ago we, it dawned on us anyway that this is actually the shape of a salmon. So that's the eye ah. and this is his nose or its nose coming up its head here into the centre of the belly. Okay, And then it twists away out. Now the stones are going off shape but if you see it narrows and narrows and narrows out to the very end and goes out over the edge and it's known as the salmon well. Salmon is equated with knowledge of course. Oh, All right. Yes. And the story goes that when St. End and his followers came to Ireland, this is supposed to be the oldest port on the island and it is actually the shortest crossing to the mainland. And they were here and there was a famine. So they prayed and the Lord sent to them and this is from the annals it said sent to them a great salmon to feast upon in a well at Ochel which is this is the townland of Ochel. Ochel. Now an angel came with the salmon but what is actually happening here is something very different. This is a holding this salmon itself is actually probably imploded a lot of soil is imploded. Yes. This was a holding area for water. Right? Oh okay. And now Kieran is also known as the miller in Arn. And he was the he could mill all the grind the grind the, the corn and, and the, well the grains we'll say for all the monasteries of iron in one day. Now you couldn't possibly do that with a with a thing, right? With a small yes. thing. But if you had a mill race, you could. So the angel came with the knowledge of a mill race from and it's a sixth century site, and that's when the mill race around that time is when the mill race comes into Ireland for the first time. So at the end of this there's a big drop, there was a mill house and a horizontal mill wheel at the end of this tail of, so of the, the salmon's tail. Water was kept, then it released and a sluice gate and it milled all the ground. So there's your angel bringing knowledge, and of course salmon and knowledge, like the salmon of knowledge, is equated with that this ecclesiastical thing as well as being our older our old thing with like Phil McCool and the salmon of knowledge. So the tradition here, like all the holy wells, is that you go around sunwise, following the good path. This Antiv right? Not that the is going the opposite side. So you go around, the, go around seven sir. times. You take seven stones from the the little basin here, oh, and normally yes, what I we do, them. we would do it, it for prayer for somebody else. You know, you do it for someone who's in need, and you do it in silence, and you take each stone. It's, these are counters to remember that you've gone seven times. So you um, drop one each. Each circle. time you go around seven, and then you go to the eye of the salmon, and you take out the water out of the well. All right, um, it's a wonderful thing to do because it's a mindfulness. But I do it in silence, and I do it for someone in need at all times. Someone in need. Yeah. So if you want to do that with me, we'll do, we'll we'll do the seven stones. Follow you around. That would be lovely. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Now, so we, we we've done the rounds in Gubbinets Well down in West Cork or down in Balavorna. We've gone down to Finbar in uh, Guganbara. Yeah. So this will be our first time so doing the, the rounds in, on the Iron Islands. Yeah. And you'll be cleansed because Iron means the old word for the Iron Islands is the kidney of the saints, right? So Aura, it's A R A N nowadays, but yes. if you take away the, the N, you get A R A, and it's the old Irish word for a kidney. So it's called the kidney of the saints. And they came here. It's a metaphorical term for coming here to be cleansed, to be to be to be freed, I suppose, maybe, and just to be to be a better well, person by the time like, you leave. That just sounds like the ticket, sir. There you go. Come on. See how, how <laughs> you feel after perfect. this. perfect. <laughs> you'll, you'll grow wings now any minute. Right? Oh, I don't know about Come that, on. but I wouldn't mind a clean kidney. That would be good. <laughs> ah, Karina, that was some... Well, episode 47 journey. is one I'm not going to forget, Mike, because visiting the Iron Islands so close, really, to the mainland as such, to Galway, 
but just off the coast there is 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 quite unique place. It's a different way. It's like the Galapagos Islands or something like that, isn't it? It's just frozen just in time a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Uh, and people are very proud of the traditions and and, and the land and, uh, you know, so knowledgeable about their home place as well. Even where we stayed in our own B&B, you know, you're talking about a family that goes back six, seven generations uh, there on the island. And um, I think the way to go really when you land on somewhere like that is to get a guide like Cyril, who will who knows the island, who knows how to take you to places maybe they're a little bit off the beaten track. And I suppose another note that I was impressed with as well, he carried a knapsack with him. And at one stage we saw him run off to help somebody with the knapsack. And it turned out that the knapsack was first aid kit. And it's actually quite a, it's a hostile landscape, really, because you're Absolutely, you're yeah. walking across sharp rocks with ravines turning. And I was, I think, I was, crevices, crevices. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they really are crevices. But, you know, you have to be careful where you put your foot. Um, so, yes, he was knowledgeable and he was also looking out for our welfare, which was great. And I really enjoyed the day with him. And actually, that's a really good point, because that was the one thing that he really showed as well through the stories is they all look after one another out there. Well, wasn't that some trip? And what a man for telling the stories. And I got to say, folks, if you have a chance to actually uh, meet up with Cyril or guides like him on Ninchmore and the Iron Islands, getting the inside perspective as you make your way around is just priceless, if you ask me. So I hope you enjoyed that tour of Inishmore and the Aran Islands uh, with uh, Corrine and myself and Cyril O'Flaherty. Uh, we recorded that, by the way, back uh, last September, and we also featured it inside the Green Room as part of our Irish Heritage Radio series. And in any case, you can actually go, if you want to see the show notes, the map we refer to and the stops, just head over to a lettermireland.com forward slash 604. That's a lettermireland.com forward slash uh, 604. So that's it from me. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I look forward to talking with you again very, very soon on the Letter from Ireland show. Slán for now. If you've enjoyed today's Letter from Ireland show, we'd like to invite you to check out our special membership area, the Green Room. You hear us mention it a lot during the show and you can find full details of the Green Room at a letter from Ireland.com forward slash green room. Our green room is the essential resource for anybody at any stage in researching their Irish heritage because it's where we delve into all the good stuff to help you break down those brick walls and really connect the pieces in your Irish ancestry puzzle. In the green room, you get access to online genealogists, extensive research tools, quick win training, as well as member-only access to johngrenham.com and a very supportive, active community to help you along the way with feedback and advice. The green room is the perfect place to be for anybody starting or continuing their Irish ancestry search. So why don't you come and join us there at a letterfromireland.com forward slash green room. That's it for me, but I'll be back next time with another installment of the Letter from Ireland show. And I really look forward to chatting to you then. Slán gafól, Karina. <laughs>